Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, Occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Middle tally is looking healthy up in Birmingham, and although it might not have been the colour they wanted, bronze medal for our men's and women's sevens team shows how competitive the world of sevens can be every single year. Stacey Flula is a champion on and off the field and she's with us now. She's at the Silver Ferns game. We appreciate your time. Stacey, how are you? Hey, bro. Yeah, no, I'm good as and um, don't, please don't mock me for my voice. I promise. I promise. It's just from like, you know, yelling at the girls on the field, not because of something else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Stacy, Stacy. Oh, don't you come on here and tell me that yarn. Hey, mate, how's it been? How's it been? Obviously, uh, it's been a while since the game, but what's been happening? What have you guys been up to? Yeah, nah, it's been cool. Um, mixed emotions, obviously you said it wasn't the gold that we wanted. We, we're calling our medal a rosé gold, though. It's quite pretty, so we'll take that for now. Um, yeah. But yeah, nah, it's cool. It's been an awesome three days competing, obviously. Um, we had a good start. We had good momentum, and then we played our worst game, unfortunately, against Aussie in that semi-final. So a little bit gutted. It was very hard to sleep that night, but we managed to pull back and obviously take that bronze home. Um, but yeah, we head home tomorrow, which sucks. Um, but we managed yeah. to get some tickets to the weightlifting and the netball tonight. So yeah, just making the most of it. <laughs> awesome. Hey, we're, we're really proud of you. Obviously, both the men's and the women's, uh, not the result that you're after. But, you know, it was a quality time over there. And what, what can you take, put that game down to, obviously, against Australia? You got the lead, you had the pressure on. What was the key learnings or focuses from out of that game that you, that you took away? Yeah, we did have some quality game time over here and it's, it is a bit sad because we're, we're probably a bit undercooked in terms of game time mm. compared to some of the other ones out there. Um, but for us, I haven't actually watched the game. I, I can't, I'm, I'm just still too gutted. We'll, we'll watch it when we need to watch it. But from what I can remember being mm. on the field and being on the side, there were key moments that we really, really didn't nail. So too many turnovers, mm. our 
Hunting in threes wasn't good enough. We got turned over way too many times, which gave Aussie the opportunity to attack, use their flair, use their speed, um, and they just got around us way too many times. Yes. Um, I also think we didn't like give enough mongrel. Um, you mm. know, the last the three games before that, man, we were on fire. Well, that's what I think mm. anyway. And then we kind of went into our shell a little bit, and that's not like us. So, yeah, a bit of a shock. Um, but it's just the sport, right? And you know, you know yeah. exactly how it goes. Yeah. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, and unfortunately, yeah. it just wasn't our day. <laughs> hey, Stacey, yeah. <laughs> talking about the big moments, um, what? What do you think those moments were, especially when you you sort of look like you were coming home really strong uh, and just couldn't quite get it? Yeah, I think, I suppose, the, first, the, the biggest moment that stands out to me was that last play. Um, obviously, they got a yellow card. We had, a, had our attacking scrum right, on that, right in our green zone, right in front of our um, goal line, and all we needed to do was get the ball to the edge to score because we had that one-man overlap, but... Unfortunately, we were too flat. Aussie D came up, swarmed us, and managed to turn us over and, and create a, um, a penalty right at the end. So, yeah, it's like I said, it's moments like those that you, we, we can't we can't blame players though. Um, it, it's obviously mm. a team sport, and I already talked about there were way too many t- turnovers in the middle of the game. Uh, we didn't have a strong start. Um, that's lacked. Uh, we lacked that quite a bit um, with our game. So. We need to start strong so that we can finish strong. <laughs> nice. Oh, Stace, we're, we're proud of you. And we know you're, you're busy at the netball now, so we won't hold you too long. But w- what's next for you? What's next for you <laughs> and, and the Sevens girls? So you're coming home. I, I, have you put your name in to have a crack at the black uh, at the 15s game? <laughs> oh, are you digging, Izzy? Are you digging? <laughs> Come on! Well, yeah, okay, okay. Well, it's actually getting announced, isn't it, in an hour's time? So I might have to make you wait. Mm. Nah, just jokes, just jokes. Um, <laughs> I have put my <laughs> I have put my hand up um, to play the World Cup, um, yeah. and unfortunately, only a handful of the girls have been released to play the mm. Laurie O'Reilly series. So. I'm not going to give names, but I am not yep. playing in the next couple of weeks, yep. unfortunately. Um, be there supporting and watching, uh, but there are some seven skills that will be available. And then we go into camp next Monday um, up in Auckland yep. for a few days. And that's pretty much our, our last trial to try and make the squad for the World Cup. Um, so, yeah, it's a big few weeks coming up, tripping and changing between sevens and fifteens because we're obviously heading to South Africa. Um, beginning of September yeah. because we have Sevens World Cup over there too. Um, but looking forward wow. to it, you know, gutted about this oh. So we want to try and win win two more um, golds at these next two World Cups. <laughs> yeah, you've got a decent chance too. You're a decent chance of winning those, um, Stace. And, and, the, and the difference between Hopefully. the seven, Sevens and the Fifteens, you, you, you give yourself a chance? Sorry, sorry, I missed that. What was that? Oh, do you give yourself a chance in the Fifteens for the World Cup? Yeah, well, trying. I mean, I've, I've, I'm probably lucky in terms of I've been able to switch between both, which mm. has been quite cool. Um, and I know times are changing now. They want to kind of keep the same players in, in the environment. With, with 15s being professional, and fair enough. Um, obviously, it's growing in both areas, um, but I still want to try and you know play for as long as I can in both coats. Is, is that transition quite quite challenging Stace like going from sevens to the 15s game do you find it quite a difficult or you know you're so young still so it's, it's not too bad oh thanks 
thanks i'm still young mate. <laughs> um no i honestly like i know a, a few girls do find it difficult at times but because i've done mm. it since i started eight years ago i don't actually mind the transition um there are a couple of changes obviously more fields of um less fields to play with in 15s and more people there um but yeah. It's more so um, the, the long trainings, eh? It's, it's just hard being on your feet for so long for 15s compared to 7s <laughs> where we're done and dusted in an hour. I know it's more intense yeah. at 7s, but, you know, we're kind of conditioned for it. So there are challenges, but I love it. I absolutely love it. So, yeah, I love a challenge. <laughs> Beautiful. So, so we'll let you back to the Silver Ferns. Go the Silver Ferns. Appreciate you coming on the show and uh, breaking that news for us. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> love, love your mahi stays. Thank you. All good. Thanks, bros. Thank you for having me. Awesome. There she is. Stacey Flula. She's obviously won the bronze medal at the Commonwealth Games and she's going in there to watch the Silver Fairs. We appreciate her time, lads. Awesome. She's got so much. She's got so much energy. She's so good. All these yeah. little Tilly just come in. Oh, do you put a, a V8 motor on the back of that yet for her? Is? She's got a V8. She's got a red cast too. So she's got the Crusaders cast, eh, baby? <laughs> yeah. Is that the way? Is that being replaced? Did they colour it? Being replaced. Well, they had to replace it, mate. It was falling apart, the <laughs> amount of crawling around she did on it. It was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Stace is a good, she's a good sort, mate. Full of full of energy. And I've, I've been watching her um, footy. I like, I like watching her play. She's got speed, mate, built right, um, you know, low to the ground, tough. You know, it's a good, good, mm. good kid. So um, all the best for her. I hope she. I hope she actually makes that World Cup team because she's a type of person you put who probably put her name first on the sheet because you need that type of person in your football team for um, that culture, building that culture. So interesting mm, to hear her better. say that one thing though about you know like the difference in the training session. You know, being involved in that seven circuit and how quick they they wrap this, their sessions up. Yeah, Wayne Smith would have him out there for at least three hours, wouldn't he? Is three hours maybe? Three hours, yeah, yeah, you'd be about three and a half. Be about three whoa, and a half, and whoa. you'd be out there on your feet. It's a long, long, long session. It's a long session for sure. But, oh, mate, honestly, I think she's got a good chance, eh, that centre roll. She offers something really different. She's quick. She's very, very quick on her feet. Um, but, yeah, they're obviously naming the team in an hour's time. So we'll get a that, little unclean that, of. There's a bit of gravy. I didn't actually, I'm just trying to, just scrolling back through my. Uh calendar to try and work out what and maybe that's a team for the Laurie O'Reilly not the World Cup yeah Laurie O'Reilly yeah. yes well, Laurie O'Reilly 8 o'clock they had name it this morning oh excellent now that'll be great I wonder which seven schools she said so there was a couple that are in there um, Sarah Hidney I know she's been been there she's very busy who else is he um, Porsche 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 would have to have a shot wouldn't she Porsche Porsche, yeah, depending on her ankle, because she got a bit of an ankle mm. um, injury in that little thing. So it'd be interesting to see how she updates. Um, yeah, so maybe Hidney, yeah, Porsche. Well, does Kelly Brazier play? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, right. Yeah, so maybe Kelly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it'd be great to see what crossover we have there. So Stacey's not there herself. Uh, look, I am kind of curious what unintended, uh, I don't want to say consequences, but impact that the emphasis on the 15s this year of all years for the women's might have on the 7s program. 
Um, like Alan Bunting's obviously moved on. He's actually in that camp now. Mm. Uh, they set that program up. They had so much success, and there's clearly the most unbelievable team culture within the sevens. And everything Stacey said there, like this is just something that happens in sport. Your best team can lose a tournament. You come bronze. It happens all the time. That's not necessarily doomsday or a massive concern. But I just wonder... It is, you know, as she said, it's not easy for everyone to transfer. And just where your desire is and you're kind of looking over here mm. when you, maybe you should be focusing here. And I wonder if just kind of those secondhand unintended consequences or impacts might be having on the sevens. Is that something you'd wondered, Kempe? Oh, it, it, uh, would, it would do, Izzy, yeah, Because if you've got a World Cup coming up, especially for 15s and you're playing in the sevens thinking, like, I've got a... I've still got to go back and trial and try and make the 15 side. It would it would affect your performance. So yeah, that's a balance. That why wouldn't you go and play for that that setup that they've just had with with Wayne Smith? You know, you got Graham Henry there. You got all sorts of champions championing scrums and lineouts and all all sorts for them. And the girls are going, man, we've actually you know got something that we're building here. So. Um, yeah, look, not surprising, not surprising, but she took it with a grain of salt. She said, "Look, we've, I've still got two opportunities to win gold medals in the ne- uh, gold medals in the next couple of Olympics." Man, mate, they they can. They've got so much talent. I don't, the one for me is the young girl Blyde. I don't know why she's not in the mix. Like mm. she she's so good on the sevens um, pitch. Does she not transfer that to to the fifteens? Is he? I think some of them just really know their their craft and some of them just know that they probably wouldn't transition to the 50s like others and, and oh mate she's she's a fantastic athlete she's fast she's very good on her feet uh, whether they can only struggles I see with these seven players going back into the 15s games we saw how um, physical France were England how big and dominant it's a different body shape for the sevens game mm. and the 15s game so when you're transitioning back into the 15s you've got to um prepare your body to play a hell of a lot differently and that's what these sevens players will be missing out of and and Wayne Smith will be taking that into consideration as well knowing that these uh, athletes that are in the Black Ferns set up they're playing Farrah Palmer Cup they've made their sacrifice they've, they've made their commitment to the 15 game so Smithy will be showing loyalty and probably taking that into consideration uh, as well so um, yeah it uh, I know it's going to be t- a difficult task for these players to really transition back from the sevens to the fifteens. It won't it won't be as easy as Stacey alluded to. It'll be mm. very very hard because it's a totally different body shape, All totally right. different body game. Contact here is different. The rucks, the malls, mate, it's way different. We will watch with that to that eight a.m. announcement then with bated breath and see who it is that crosses over. Really interesting stuff and interesting comments there you make, Izzy, about that crossover and how they can go back and forth. Eighteen minutes past seven. Red cast, bro. That will take two years to heal. Blue and gold. She will be running around tomorrow. That's, <laughs> That's a text, brother. That's He's a brother. Highlanders fan. with Tony Kemp. And I think Steph has another warrior down there on the sideline. I do. i got Shawnee Johnson with me. Uh, short Tony Kemp was just saying, what a game from Sean Johnson, hey? Big oh. praise. Uh, your kicking game is coming on. It was good tonight. Good weighted kicks into the end goal. Oh, it's nice of you, Kempe. You've been riding me for a little while now, so it's nice of you, mate. Um... <laughs> Let's get one thing straight. I'm not riding anyone, and if you think I am, then you really don't know me. Whilst I can understand your perception, the reality is that I have an opinion like a lot of people and don't mind putting it out there. I don't go to bed at night thinking, man, I'm going to give it to you tomorrow. I simply have an opinion based on people's performance 
and thankfully I get compensated for it. In fact, if I had a dollar for every mean message I received about my opinion, I'd be a very, very wealthy man. The difference, however, is that I understand you can't just assume everything will be positive feedback. If you decide to be a professional and you get paid well to do it, you must also realise that scrutiny and opinion, whether good or bad, is part of the territory. By the way, thanks for listening to the best sports show on the planet. My opinion. Don't freak out. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Every day I was like, where are we going today, Kempy? And then bang, comes in with that. I was wondering what his reaction was to that. And, mate, he's listening. He's listening, Kempy. They're listening. They I always said, listen. I, I said that to Sam. Look, I'll be honest. I hated it. I hated it. I hated people like us. <laughs> yeah, I'm one of them. <laughs> but, like, like I said before, there's ways around it, and I have my challenges that I – it's a way of how you portray and you present it. You're not having a dig, and um, we know as athletes, we don't go out there to try and perform poorly or badly in, in situations, and, yeah, I love it. Your honesty is, is always commended, and it's a big part of the show, Kempi. People love your honesty because Joe from Gizzy rings up. He loves it. Everyone loves it. Yeah, it's – it's it, look, it's nowhere – there's no um – malice in the opinion it is an opinion if your form's bad you know like you're, you're quite happy to and i know this for a fact because i was one of those guys was when you pick up the paper especially when i was a young player and you got your picture on the back of the page and you, you're a player of the day you know you pulled off the winning tackle or or you kicked the winning drop drop goal and all that and then i used to hate the one where you pick it up and you get people that you know writing bad things about you saying your form's down it made it my form was down like it wasn't up mm. i was playing reserve grade you know what i mean so it became, a, I guess, something that you live with. Um, and you've got to have some resilience. You know, that's your job. You can't just take the good with the bad. Well, Kemp, Kempe, going back on Sean Johnson, and no doubt he would have seen it because it did go far and wide. You did say and think earlier on in the year that you were waiting for his probable retirement at some stage this year just because of how he was getting around, what you saw, his tendencies on the field. Have you actually got an update on your, I guess, opinion about where SJ's at and his playing style? Oh, look, I think he's getting better. I said that on, on Friday night. It was probably his best game of the year. Like, his kicking game and the way that he thread the ball through the line, we were starting to see some of the old glimpses of him. His running game still isn't up to scratch, but, you know, if I've had some part of playing him back in the form because he's reading those comments and saying, I'm going to stick it up you, mate, then I'm happy to do that. But I'm not going to sit here and pat anyone on the back and say, mate, you're going real good. You know what I mean? You're going, you're going real good when you're not. You know, so I'm, not, I'm just saying what people think. That's all. And um, my take on him at the beginning of the year, I thought he was playing that poorly that he probably was thinking about whether or not this was for him. He, did, he, did, he had his child at home. He didn't enjoy being over in Australia. But now that he's back, the first comment he said on Friday night was, it's so good to go and sleep in my own bed and wake up with my daughter's here. Now, you can't mm. take take that without thinking about that, how much that means to him. I actually, and I actually think in the last month, his form has been okay. So, mm. you know, he's got five games to go. I hope he rounds out the season well. They're going to be fighting for the wooden spoon. I'm telling you that right now. Newcastle, my, my other team, they're the ones who are probably going to end up with it, in my in my opinion. But the Warriors have the hardest run home. They got three of the, you know, they got South Sydney, Penrith, um, on the back of on the back of a, uh, uh, just games that I just can't see them winning. So it's going to be a tough run home for them, and hopefully Sean plays a part in keeping them off that wooden spoon. I think Sean, um, uh, the way that I look at it, you, 
when you're an older athlete, you got to reinvent yourself. You got to reinvent yourself. You can't be the old Shawnee of of old. You know, the stepper, the quick off his feet. Like you look at Dan Carter, and when he got older, he reinvented his game. He wasn't that young guy that used to run through step players and make big defensive tackles. He had a real control about his game. He made the right decision nine times out of ten, and that's all you want from your playmakers to put you at the right ends of the park, to set you up, keep you in control, and to control the game and, and, and lead the game. You are our voice, you're our leader, and you're our director. And, and that's what Shawnee's been doing lately, and, and I've seen that too, Kempe. And so just for him, don't you don't have to be the old Sean. Reinvent yourself and be the Shawnee of, of today, and that's the guy that directs you around the park and puts you in the right position. Silver Ferns leading 26-23 at the end of the second or halfway through the second quarter in their Commonwealth Games matchup. 0800 The Kennard Tire phone line's are there for you. Give us a call. Sean Johnson, fans, defenders, critics, are you like Kempe? Have you been more impressed the deeper the season has gone? And if you like Izzy and expect him to continue to reinventing himself, where can he get to that he can man-manage this Warriors team around? What does he need around him to let him do that. All right, after, well, months and years of preparation and planning, the breakthrough has come. New Zealand Sail GP team have cracked it. They've won their first event after, well, I think double digits trying. I know it would be an extremely satisfying moment for the whole team, knowing how much effort's gone on off the water, let alone on it. Andy Maloney, he's uh, sailed in conditions and events around the world for years. He's the flight controller with the team. He's with us now on the line. And Andy, talk us through the emotions and how satisfying this latest event on the Sail GP calendar in Plymouth has been. Yeah, thanks, guys. Um, I mean, the week's been awesome. You know, the whole team's put in a lot of work over the last few months, especially, you know, not quite being where we where we've wanted to be and um, it's just cool to see it come together a little bit this week. Um, we put down a pretty good performance from the start of the week, you know, even in practice and and the practice racing on Friday all the way through to uh, today in the final race where we won that as well. So, you know, we're just pleased to see a few key areas we've been working on come together and like you say, it's taken us a little, little bit too long to get to this point where we've won our first event. So we're over the moon to have ticked that box now. Hey Andy, the first podium um, for the boys uh, since it's, inception so how are they feeling mates they, they feel like they've got this all nailed down and they can go on and get more wins <laughs> oh, i think the first one's always the hardest right but now nah, we, we you know we know we've got a lot of stuff we can do better still so and we're up against some stiff competition so we're just going to go home and you know do the same thing again look at the debrief notes and figure out the the main areas to work on before the next event which is only a few weeks weeks away in um in denmark so we'll go home and keep chipping away and try to be better for the next one. Andy, a lot of this will probably go over Kempe in my head, but there'll be parts of our audience that won't. Can you, so feel free to go into as much or little detail as you want, but what has been challenging technically about sailing these boats and getting it right? Has it been the conditions? Has it been the processes? Like, where has that fine tuning come that's got you over the line this time? Yeah, you know, like a lot of the teams who are winning uh, these events, they've they've done a whole extra season than us. So um, they've had a lot more time in these boats in this configuration. But, you know, we've been slowly trying to learn from them and looking at their data. So, you know, I feel like we've, we've slowly caught up to them on like the speed and stability with the maneuvers and straight line around the race course. And then also with this super tight racing, you know, it comes down to a lot of a lot of crew work and a lot of communication between the crew and a lot of forward thinking. And um, we've worked really hard on that the last, the last few months um, 
especially between Josh Jr. and Pete. You know, they've they've come a long way with the communication between them to make sure they're putting us in the right place around the racetrack. So, so you know, just a few key areas that are coming together and making our lives a lot easier around the track. And, you know, we're just slowly sailing the boat better and better each day. What's the competition been like across the board? I know there's Aussies out there, so you always want to beat them, but... Um, like, how's the camaraderie and the sailing kind of fraternity been around this? It's a new, let's let's be honest, Sail GP is still a new-ish venture. But what's the competition like? And I guess across the board, the sailing skill sets. Yeah, it is still relatively new. It's um, it's only in its third season, so so yeah. But it's it's super exciting racing, super high pace, um, short courses. You know, there's prize money on the line, so it's really attracting the the best of the best from around the world you've got the likes of Sir Ben Ainsley Tom Slingsby you know Pete Burling and ourselves from New Zealand so I mean the competition's pretty much as stiff as it gets and it's pretty cool to to see people from all different areas and different classes of sailing come together and you know go head to head in one design boat um, at these sort of speeds is pretty exciting and yeah, I don't think you get much better competition at this stage. Hey, Andy, just on that with, when you're talking about the boats and the design and all that sort of stuff uh, does money play a, a part in this in the in the in the GP sailing, or is it really just around who you've got the best skipper and team on the boat? Yeah, well, all the boats are one design, so I mean, you can't buy yourself a better boat. You um, you have what you've got, and it's the same as the rest of your competitors. So you just got to get to know that that boat really well and try and figure out how to sail it better than better than the rest of the guys out there. So there's not a lot um, you can do from from extra financial backing in this series, which is really cool. Yeah, that is. It's it's quite. It's um. That is great <laughs> to hear in sailing, isn't it? And like, as far as yeah. the competition and how it's bidding into the the calendar, because sailing, there's so many different events. Um, we spoke to Chris Steele, who's doing the GC thirty twos. Uh, a couple of weeks ago and, and, and they had some success and there are so many different versions or kind of disciplines and um, boats that you can sail around the world. So where is Sail GP sitting in, fitting in on that elite competitive level? Do you think it's like found its niche? Yeah, it has started to find its own little niche. You know, um, historically, I guess you've got sort of three main areas of the sport, which is Olympic sailing, the America's Cup, and then the ocean racing. Um, and I guess, GPs sort of come out of the, the fast, high-paced, really technologically advanced boats from the America's Cup, but it's brought it into a one-design um, sort of fleet where everyone's racing the same boat, um, which is really cool. You know, the cups are really... Uh, you're, you're really trying to help design a faster boat than your opponents, whereas here you don't have that, that ability. So you've got to try and figure out the one-design um, boat the best you can and race it better than the rest of the guys. Nice. And what about what about um, your recovery and and stuff off the off the water that you got to get prepared for the next race? Is that all done like most of your time spent analysing the previous race, or do the guys do like extra fitness sessions? They they've got you know getting their trying to get their body re- ready again to go again, or um, is there something else that sort of gives uh, that you're looking at to give you that edge? Yeah, well, between events, you know, we do a lot of that. And depending what position you are on the boat um, sort of dictates to what you're focusing on. But, you know, we've got some grinders on the boat who work really hard in between events to make sure they're, they're really fit um, to travel to the next event because sometimes we're traveling, you know, to Europe and stuff only for a week at a time. Um, and then, you know, everyone's sort of involved in analyzing the competition and trying to figure out what others were doing better than us and 
trying to figure out what our weaknesses are and what we need to work on before the next event. Like all the data is shared online from all the boats at these events. So it's really cool that you can look back on that. You can look back on the video. You've got access to everyone's communication on board as well. So you can really dive into more more data than you can even handle. So um, there's plenty to do between events and you've got to sort of prioritize what's more important at the time. Oh, I'd say priority number one would be trying to figure out where Lewis Pugh's going to stay on the boat because so he's he's your <laughs> guest racer, right? He's turned up. He's the UN patron for Ocean, as far as I'm aware. Where and is this the first time he's been the boat? He's one from one. While well, you, what are you? One from ten? <laughs> yeah, no, it was awesome having him on uh, before racing today, actually. But we raced against um, Kate Middleton today with him on the back of our boat, and uh, what, the yeah, he had a good steer and. Yeah, we were racing against the princess today. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> oh, sorry, the duchess. Should probably get that one right. <laughs> oh, that's cool that you've got um, you've got other people on there um, having having a look at what you guys are doing. Celeb skipper, skipper. It is, it is, and and the boys, mate, they're all up. Beat, you know, when you're talking, I'm just thinking about man. You, so you're traveling through time zones and bits and pieces like that. Want to? Like sleep would be a, a massive one, wouldn't it? Getting getting used to the time zones. Yeah, no, it is for sure. I mean, we travelled to this event. We landed on, a, I think, a Monday Monday night or a Tuesday. Yeah, we landed Tuesday morning, and we were, you know, we were into sailing on Thursday. So we had a day and a half to get over the jet lag and get stuck into it. Um, I think we've been on the ground and in the UK for about a week, and we've sailed four of those days, and we're about to fly back home to New Zealand. So. It's a pretty quick turnaround. Um, it's but, crazy. Yeah, it's pretty cool. We're looking forward to getting back home to the families and back to Team New Zealand and figuring out where to go from here for the next event. Yeah, well, that's right. So safe travels, mate. As far as I can work out, the next event, I don't know if you'll be there, is well, Rockwall, Denmark, uh, at the Grand Prix in Copenhagen. So that's August 1920, and you'll have to find some more royalty to smack down over there, some um, local royalty, and get, get them on a challenging boat because that seems to be your sweet spot, Andy. Thanks so much for your time, mate. Celebrate well. Um, right. Say a massive congrats to everyone from uh, us back in New Zealand. I think you guys have toiled so hard and richly deserve this. So all the best, and thanks for your time this morning. Yeah, cheers. Thanks, guys. Right now we're going to talk some cycling. Five days into the Commonwealth Games, and there's no doubt which venue has been on fire. The velodrome, the New Zealand cyclists have set the standard in day, uh, day in, day out with 13 medals in total. Former Kiwi cyclist Eddie Dawkins knows what the Commonwealth Gold feels like on the bike and the immense effort these athletes had to put in to make it here. And he's with us now. Morning, Eddie. Morning, guys. How are you on? Yeah, very well. Thank you, mate. Appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, mate, you must be very proud as a as an old athlete, a part of the Cycling New Zealand team, mate, what's been uh, what's impressed you so far? Oh, it's it's, it's all been it's all been good, as you can tell. Mm. Um, now they've done really well. I think they've bounced bounced back really well from uh, Tokyo, put their head down and, and come out and shown that they're they're a better team than they put forward that competition, and they've and they've really stamped their mark on on world cycling again. Hey, Eddie, what do you think, you know, they've found so much success there in the velodrome? What do you put that down to? Um, with some fresh fresh legs in there, this new new blood. I think um, the success, especially with the women's endurance program, is, is bringing in some fresh faces, some that young ambition and, and wanting to really perform, um, along with having some experienced riders there as well. And I think it's just about 
putting in the work. I think um, obviously this last year has been very tough fighting New Zealand um, and the athletes mm-hmm. involved, but they've put their head down and sort of kept their kept their focus on uh, on training and and looking after themselves, and and it's it's really paid off. But has this always been on on the cards for cycling New Zealand? I, I feel like yeah, you you touched on it there. We've been for a pretty tumultuous time with uh, New Zealand cycling. It's been tough, but mate, this is you know like the the success is no no secret. Like it was always there. We've always had the talent. I feel like my favourite athlete from the game is Elise Andrews. Just watching her go out there and and, and do her thing, um, but really surprised me. Had nothing knew nothing about cycling, but she's made me a, a believer and a fan. Yeah, that's I guess that's the what cycling does. It's um, it's quite high paced. Um, especially if you're there watching in person, it's one of the very few sports where you can be right next to the track. You know, like with rugby, you're still up in the stands, or even with track and field, you're away from the away from the track or away from the field events. But with track cycling, you're right there, and it's super fast paced. There's not really a lot of downtime between races. There's always something new happening, um, and it is is um. It's great to get some new fans into track cycling just because it only really gets that spotlight uh, every couple of years with the Commonwealth Games and the, and the Olympics. It's not a, a daily occurrence on the news or anything like that, so it's, it's, it's really good to get uh, some extra fan base behind them. Was that, did we miss a gold medal there, Eddie? We heard someone screaming in the background. With, <laughs> did we just win one? Oh, another that's, one? That's my, that's my boy. <laughs> he's just, uh, yeah, he's pumped about it as well. <laughs> <laughs> hey, mate, the, the, t- the team dynamic, when you say you're so close to the action, does that rub off, you know, if you're, you're coming up and you're the next one to sort of represent New Zealand, does that sort of rub off on you when you're seeing so much success and give you a little bit more, um, I guess, push to go out there and be successful? Yeah, I think so. I think um, especially at the games, like when I was younger, uh, we were young and naive and thought we were the best already, but we weren't. Um, you go to a Commonwealth Games and you see the likes of the Sevens team doing really well, or Val doing really well, and that would rub off on us from other sports as well. But I think what cycling has done is um, it's definitely pumped that whole team up, and I and I assume that is fed out into the other sports as well. But as a young young athlete coming up, you're always watching the Commonwealth Games, or you're watching the Olympics, and seeing those athletes that you want to sort of emulate seeing them perform and then going away and trying to practice what they're doing and and it is great for um for the development of cycling in New Zealand. Hey Eddie, on the actual cycling and I know not all of the events are like this, but the team events, on that team dynamic, oh this morning watching Aaron Gate and Campbell Stewart medal get the Quinella in the forty kilometer points race, it was quite evident the more I watched it, the deeper it went, how big of an impact Corbin Strong, that third teammate, had on the race. Because the longer he stayed in when the Great British, the English athletes and the Scottish athletes dropped out, Corbin was dragging him into it. And he actually got Campbell Stewart up for the silver. And, you know, after the race, Campbell and Aaron answered the questions and Corbin's just standing there smiling. That selflessness nature, how important is that in track cycling or in cycling in general? Oh, it's super important. Um, Corbin is a super selfless, humble, nicest guy ever as well. So that's um, it's good for him. Um, but he, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a special thing, the Commonwealth Games, having teammates. So at the Olympics and at the World Champs, you wouldn't have them. So it makes it, it's definitely more fun to ride with your team. Um, and the team dynamic is huge because 
if it was just individual and they're riding for themselves, the result might not have been different, but they would have been going at each other the whole time. So the race would have, the dynamic would have been different, but the fact that they can work together and Corbin, the unsung hero of today, had his, I guess, mm. his time in the in the limelight yesterday, deservedly so, and um, went out there to, I guess, in theory, ride for his ride for his captain, ride for Gaty, and and um, get him the get him the gold, and, and Campbell's silver was just the icing on the cake. Yeah, they they they're oozing togetherness at the moment, from what I'm seeing on the TV, Eddie, mate, but. What what will the success do for the for the future of New Zealand cycling? Obviously, getting the results and getting the the medals here, it's, it has been a tough time. But what will this do for the future of cycling uh, in New Zealand? Well, hopefully, it um, starts to appear a wee bit of that um, that broken identity that cycling New Zealand sort of has at the moment. Um, you can tell yeah. that the athletes are having a good time. You can tell the coaches are doing the right thing. Um, and the performances are coming from that. So if that's anything to go by, they've made some, some positive shifts in the background, and um, mm. it bodes well for the future as long as they can provide that going forward for the next generation of athletes. I assume there'll be a few that are hanging up the bike in a, in a year or so, so they want to make sure that they can provide that framework for the, for the next um, Aaron Gates and the next, uh, variety brothers that come through. Yeah, which is really important, Aidy. I was talking to the boys about that this morning, is that success on the track doesn't necessarily mean that it fixes the issues that are that are happening uh, behind closed doors, especially with, with cycling being out there uh, at the forefront of everyone's conversation at the moment. Is, is that, like, with you, Eddie, and what you've seen with Cycling New Zealand and the importance of capitalising on these, on these gold medals, is that still an important part to remember that we need to sort out what's going on in the back room? Yeah, um, I think it's, it's super important. The The results have come because the athletes are really good, right? Mm. So And performing the Commonwealth Games, you get that extra lift in performance and they're all amped up to go and they're doing it for their team and for their country and the performances are coming, but it's, it doesn't take away the fact that there needs to be that, that systemic change Within the culture of cycling New Zealand, and um, hopefully that is that has been a byproduct of them performing while while being happy about it. So it's not they're not just going out there and riding because they have to; they're going out there and riding and performing because they really want to. Hundred percent. And I think yeah. So once you lose once you lose the love of your sport, it becomes a career, it becomes a job, and not a career, and then it becomes really hard to put your body on the line every day. So if they're if they're still loving it, their careers will be nice and long. Just got to make sure that that um you keep that fun, you keep that um engaging nature when you're when you're training and competing. Yeah, and that's systemic. That's systemic issue that is not gonna it's not gonna go away overnight because you've won your thirteen or fourteen or fifteen medals. It's still gonna be there, and you're dead right. Actually, if we can fix that part of it, then I guess the question is. Eddie, and you know this, if you can fix that systemic issue that you're having at governance level and, and leadership, how good do you think cycling in New Zealand can really get? Well, I think that the performances are great. I think um, the performances on the bike don't really relate to to what's happening in the background because these riders just love what they do. It's um, Probably a bigger sign would be how good will the performances be in five years 
or 10 years, you know, a couple of Olympic cycles away when the athletes that are here now are all retired and the new copper athletes is basically the, the product of what they're trying to change, what they're trying to do more positively with the governance of Cycling New Zealand. If those athletes are performing at the level that these guys are, then you'll know that it's been fixed. But if, if they're not, then maybe it was just talented athletes that sort of ignored everything just to ride their bike. So only time will tell. Love your honesty. Love your honesty, Eddie Dawkins. Mate, what, what are you up to these days? Are you still lifting a lot of tin, mate? Yeah, I'm trying to. I actually, I was meant to be competing at um at powerlifting nationals on Thursday, but I've done something to my knee, so I've had to pull out just to look after it because I've only got a couple of knees, and I don't want to have to get a knee replacement at 30. Um, and yeah, you don't want uh, that, but trust me. <laughs> all no, two, all two wee, trust me. <laughs> yeah, so we've just got a wee wee boy. Uh, Bodie's just running an absolute muck. His nickname's the Bulldozer because he just runs around smashing everything up and then just runs off. But um, other than that, we're just uh, we're just living down in in Canterbury and just having a good time. Mate, what are you listening? Give us some numbers. Oh, so ideally on the day it would have been uh, sort of a two eighty five back squat, a one seventy bench press, and a three hundred and ten kg deadlift. Yeah. But, um, wow. It'll That's come, cute, it'll come as back Tom Walsh said. It'll look after himself. What's that? <laughs> when we were talking to Walsh, I told him about one of these rugby players lifting 220, and he goes, that's cute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, those rugby players, they, they, yeah, they're all shit. <laughs> beach muscles, but they're not very strong. <laughs> Eddie Dawkins coming through with the low blow. I love it. I love it, Eddie, mate. Hey, uh, obviously Sam Webster's still going, mate. Is he giving you any inspiration to get back out there on the bike or what? No, no, I'm I'm definitely not riding riding my track bike <laughs> ever again. Um, no, he's, he's doing really well. I think um, he's probably been a bit of like a a leadership figure for for that new sprint program. Um, he's the when even when I was riding, he was that tactician. He was the the guy that knew how to beat anybody in the sprint no matter how physically different they were and um he's definitely passing on that knowledge to um to that younger group which is which is super important because it's hard sometimes to take it from from your coach especially with cycling zealand going through a few of them um but sam's been that that stable stable companion for for those um young guys coming up and yeah his his uh knowledge of the sprint, especially the sprint is um invaluable and, and um yeah, they'll be sorely missed if he hangs up the bike at some point because they will mm. lose that knowledge base. Yeah, that IP intellectual property, mate, that's what Sam Webster offers, mate. Appreciate you coming in, Eddie Dawkins, and having a wee chat to us. Keep lifting all that heavy tin, 285. <laughs> wow, that just makes me give me a head rush and feel like I'm going to be sick, mate. Appreciate <laughs> it. Thank you very much. Take that's care right. and we'll chat soon. <laughs> No worries, Sam. Have a good day. Cheers, Eddie. Uh, <laughs> I should have said we've got a Musashi protein bar there if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got one less because Louis just chomped one down. Honestly, honestly, Louis. pretty good. Rocky Stop Road, Rocky Road, the the best so far. And I don't think Eddie would. Um, no, I'm sure actually the Musashi might be able to. He might get less cute numbers and more Walshy numbers. Three ten deadlift. Three ten. That's pretty you, good. You eh? Do the maths.
You go, you go try, you go to the gym, Louis, and you try and lift that. I reckon. You, oh, oh that would be a, like a suicide mission, really. Hey, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it'd be a hell of a mess. Kempy would be able to do that, wouldn't you, Kim? Oh, mate, cut it out. That big maybe, back? maybe twenty years ago, not today. Goose has come mm. through a double eight, double three. I always see Eddie around Rollis, and he owns the local F forty five. Every time I see him, I'm amazed. He must have the biggest quads and ends, and everybody <laughs> stops and looks. Great man, too. <laughs> It was really refreshing, you know. Like, here's a guy that can actually articulate a great athlete because you know the, the the most poignant comment out of that maybe they're just really good athletes, you know, and taking everything out because that's what we have to celebrate is that they've gone over there and they're winning so many medals, but still knows that there's some some issues that in cycling they need to sort out and it's not to be swept under the carpet. Yeah, mate, what a legend! Nice questions, Kempi. Really good dude, Eddie Dawkins. He's won Olympic silver medals. He's won Commonwealth Games golds. He's a champion, and he'll be so proud this morning as we wake up to Aaron Gate, uh, Campbell Stewart, Elise Andrews, absolutely carving it up over there at the Commonwealth Games. Well done to everyone involved. Um, very, very proud of all of you. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.